So, I have a message for you today. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm not nervous about it for me, but I'm a little scared for you guys. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Some of you have heard this message before, so don't kill it, because you'll get where I'm going once I start reading. Some of you have heard it. If you go to Bible study, you've heard it. But, um, I don't know, I just, uh, when I was praying about what to talk about, God was telling me to talk about this, so I'm going to talk about it. And I, I, I really want to focus on teaching you tonight, and so we're going to read a lot of Bible. How many of you out there love the Bible? Amen. I love, um, you guys know who Havilah Cunnington is? I love her. I love Havilah Cunnington. If you have a chance to listen to any of her sermons, listen to them. They're so good. But uh, she says that she's a word girl. And I'm a word girl too. I love the Bible. Everything that I've ever experienced has been confirmed here in the Bible. Like everything I've ever experienced has been confirmed through some verse. And I love that. I, I really love that. I love how the word is alive. I love that. Um, so let's just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this service. I thank you for this amazing, amazing service that you've given us. Holy Spirit, you just show up. You just show up and it's so beautiful. It's so amazing how you show up and you comfort us. How you show up and you give us all. Like you give us every single one of us. You give us what we need. You're so willing all the time to pour over us your love, to pour over us your security, to take away fear and replace it with just your, your safeness uh, and your protection. I thank you because you're so good all the time. You're so good. I just thank you for that. I appreciate you and I honor you. And I'm so in love with you. I'm so in love with your presence and I can't get enough of it. I just, I love that I can access you at any single time. I love that I can just call on you when you're there. I love that. I love that you're always there for us. We can depend on you fully. You never let us down. You never leave us alone. We are never alone because you are always by our side. And I just thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to us. I ask that you prepare our hearts for these verses, that you give us the understanding that we need, and that you just put our hearts at ease, that you give us peace. Your love never ends, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I have a lot to read, so I'm going to get to it. If you all would please join me, in the book of uh, Judges, chapter 19, verse 1. Shout hallelujah when you have it. God's a Bible study, this story is not going to be new, so I want you to turn to, your, to turn to your neighbor. If you went to Bible study, turn to the person next to you 
and tell them it's going to be all right. And then tell them, don't worry, I'll walk you through this. Okay? All right, so now you have a buddy next to you. It's going to be all right, and they're going to walk you through it. So let's, uh, well, before we start, sorry. It, um, when I first read this verse, these verses, I think I cried. I experienced so many emotions reading these 30 verses that we're about to dive into. Um, I, I cried. I was at awe. And I'm just going to get into it. I'm stalling, so let's just get into it. Okay, so it says, Now in those days, Israel had no king. There was a man from the tribe of Levi living in a remote area of the hill country of Ephraim. One day, he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine. But she became angry with him. Other verses say that she was unfaithful to him and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem. So after about four months, her husband set out for Bethlehem to speak personally to her and persuade her to come back. He took with him a servant and a pair of donkeys. When he arrived at her father's house, her father saw him and welcomed him. Her father urged him to stay a while, so he stayed three days eating, drinking, and sleeping there. On the fourth day, the man was up early, ready to leave. But the woman's father said to his son-in-law, have something to eat before you go. So the two men sat down together and had something to eat and drink. Then the woman's father said, please stay another night and enjoy yourself. The man got up to leave, but his father-in-law kept urging him to stay, so he finally gave in and stayed the night. Verse eight, on the morning of the fifth day, he was up early again, ready to leave, and again, the woman's father said, have something to eat, then you can leave later this afternoon. So they had another day of feasting. Later as the man and his concubine and servant were preparing to leave, his father-in-law said, look, it's almost evening, stay the night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. But this time, the man was determined to leave. So he took his two saddled donkeys and his concubine and headed in the direction of Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. It was late in the day when they neared Jebus, and the man's servant said to him, let's stop at this Jebusite town and spend the night there. No, his master said, we can't stay in this foreign town where there are no Israelites. Instead, we will go on to Gibeah. Come on, let's try to get as far as Gebeah or Ramah, and we'll spend the night in one of those towns. So they went on. The sun was setting as they came to Gebeah, a town in the land of Benjamin. So they stopped there to spend the night. They rested in the town square, but no one took them in for the night. That evening, 
An old man came home from his work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim, but he was living in Gebeah, where I'm sorry, where the people sorry where the people were from the tribe of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers sitting in the town square, he asked them where they were from and where they were going. We have been in Bethlehem in Judah, the man replied. We are on our way to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, which is my home. I traveled to Bethlehem and now I'm returning home. Some versions say I'm returning home to the house of the Lord. But no one has taken us in for the night, even though we have everything we need. We have straw and feed for our donkeys and plenty of bread and wine for ourselves. You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need, but whatever you do, whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. Let's stop there. Whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? He's urging the man not to spend the night. Now it's weird, I just, I just want to paint the picture for you. It's weird that nobody in this Benjamite town has offered this man or have opened up the doors to this man, his concubine and his servant. He's not going to be an inconvenience to anybody. He has all of his own things with him. No one has to provide anything for him. He has everything he needs for himself, his concubine, his servant, and his donkeys. But why aren't the people welcoming a man of God, a Levite? You would think that they would open him with open doors, right? Right? But they're not. It's kind of strange. So let's keep reading verse 20. I'm sorry, 21. So he took them home with him and fed the donkeys. After they washed their feet, they ate and drank together. While they were enjoying themselves, a crowd of troublemakers from the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, Bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. The old man stepped outside to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing. For this man is a guest in my house. And such a thing would be shameful. Here, take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out to you and you can abuse them and do whatever you like. But don't do such a shameful thing to this man. But they wouldn't listen to him. So the Levite took hold of his concubine and pushed her out the door. The men of the town abused her all night, taking turns raping her until morning. Finally at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman returned to the house where her husband was staying. She collapsed at the door of the house and lay there until it was light. When her husband opened the door to leave, there lay his concubine with her hands up on the threshold. He said, get up, let's go. 
but there was no answer. So he put her body on his donkey and took her home. Let's take a deep breath. Okay. Verse 29. When he got home, he took a knife and cut his concubine's body into 12 pieces. Then he sent one piece to each tribe throughout all the territory of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, such a horrible crime has not been committed in all the time since we left Egypt. Think about it. What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? Think about it. What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? The title of my sermon is called, Who's Going to Speak Up? Now, when I was preparing for this sermon and for this teaching, I had a feeling in me that said, or a thought came to me that said, don't share these verses with the church. And I thought, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. But then immediately, another thought came to me, which said, why wouldn't you share what's in the Bible? It's in the Bible. You can read anything that's in there. Anybody can read this. So why not share it? Go ahead and share it. So I shared it. A couple of things that I noticed about these 30 verses. <clears throat> when I first read it, I thought, wow, how romantic. How romantic is this Levite priest? What a catch. He has his wife, but oh, how he loves his concubine. <laughs> Not only was she unfaithful to him, but she left him. He waited about four months. He said, you know what, I'll let her pull off. I'll pull off. I'll give her four months. She'll definitely be needing me in four months. Because we all, all of us women, need four months to pull off. Seriously, we do. <laughs> but he said, I'm going to go get her. So he gets his servant, he gets two donkeys, and he's on his way. And I thought, how romantic. How much must he have loved this concubine? This concubine must be special. Because I'm sure he had a wife. I mean, he had to have a wife in order to have a concubine. So, I mean, his wife is his wife. But he's going after a concubine. I don't know, I was just really shocked by that. And I thought, she must be very special that he's taking this long journey to go get her, to go win her back. And as I keep reading, my emotions shift as I'm sure yours did as well. I thought to myself, it's, it's very weird why things are happening the way they're happening. It's weird how he can't stay in the square. Why can't he stay in the square? It's, it's strange to me that he is, is warned by the old man to, to no matter what, not stay there. And I thought, 
Okay, that's, that's where this story is. That's where the point of this story is. There's an underlined hidden story in this story. And the underlined story that I'm gonna talk to you guys about tonight is the town of Gibeah and their story and what's going on with that. Everything that happened is so that we can turn our eyes to Gibeah. It was a well-known fact that this man should not stay out there. Nobody else was out there. You would think that people would be walking around. I mean, it's a town. It's, it's an Israelite town. You would think people would be walking around and, I don't know, just being regular folk, like being regular people. But nobody was outside. Because it was a well-known fact that as soon as the street lights come on, you get yourself inside your house and you lock the door behind you. But another thing that I thought about was why, why didn't anyone let them in? Why wouldn't anyone open the house or the doors of their house if they knew that these people could be in trouble? Why wouldn't they let them in? And the reason why nobody let them in was because nobody wanted any problems. Nobody wanted to deal with the crowd of, of weird men. Nobody wanted to have to give up their virgin daughter or give up their wife or give up their concubine to save someone else. Because it was a well-known fact that these men were out here creating chaos. So nobody wanted to be a part of it. Nobody wanted to deal with it. But this one man, knowing the repercussions of his goodness, he let him in. He let him and his people in their house. And sure enough, the men came and there was trouble. The outcome of this particular story is very extreme. But what God wants us to know, what God was telling me, is that he wanted to show us the hidden sin and the hidden evil that was residing and had been residing for who knows how long in this Benjamin town of Gibeah. It's pretty crazy to me that stuff like this happened in the Bible. Yeah. It, it's pretty crazy, but it did happen. And like I said, this particular story and the outcome of it is very, very extreme. But the point of it is, God doesn't want us to keep anything from Him. He wants us to be an open square. He wants us to be open with Him. These people were hiding their sin, were hiding evil and were living their day-to-day -day lives with this in their town. And it couldn't happen anymore. Something had to happen so that somebody would speak up. What happened to the Benjamin town after that? I'm not gonna read it, but I'm gonna tell you, you can read it after, it's just the following chapter, verse, I mean, chapter, chapter 20. 
what happened is that everybody received a piece of limb from the concubine woman's body. Now, if you think about it, that must have been such a shocking thing. I mean, it, 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 it's a shocking thing. But let's think about those times. Back then, you couldn't put something in a FedEx box and overnight it. Like, you had to wrap it, I'm sure, in some sort of skin, some sort of animal skin, something, some sort of cloth or fabric, and you had to send it with someone. You had to strap it onto a donkey and have someone carry it off. And these towns, the Israelite tribes, did not live next door to each other. It wasn't like coming from here to, what's the next town? Upper Monterey Park. They, they were distances away. And so this man, he took his... Are you guys getting what's going on? This man took his, his concubine that he, that he went after. He went after her. He went after her after she cheated on him and gave her up and then brought her home cut her up and sent her body out. That's crazy. That's so crazy to me. I guess it's safe to say that he wanted to make a point. He wanted to make a point. He wanted justice. He wanted justice for the evil that had been done to him. And so what ends up happening is everybody receives their package and they're all outraged. And so what ends up happening is that all of the tribes of Israel minus the tribe of Benjamin go to war against all of the towns of Benjamin. They go to war. They kill almost every Benjamite. They leave a couple so that they can allow their their tribe to I don't know, to live on again. But they kill like almost everyone. Because they couldn't allow this to happen. Because what happened was so outrageous. What happened was so outrageous that a whole tribe was wiped out. Pretty much a whole tribe was wiped out. And it's all because God wanted to make known what was going on in Gebeah. Let's read John. Chapter 8, and I'll tell you the verse in a second. You know, people back then, it's it's crazy. We had a we had a Bible study before this one on Joshua. And 
during the Bible study, I made sure that the listeners understood that God wanted to wipe out the Moabites, the Hittites, the Olivites. He wanted to wipe them all out. And we talked about, like, I emphasized on the fact that God sent Joshua to kill all of these men, women, children, animals, like, wipe them out. And Waldo, he, he took the bait, and he asked me the golden question that I had been setting him up for. He asked me, why would God do that? Why would God ask Josh, Joshua, to kill everybody like that? It seems like an evil thing. Right? What do you guys think? Does it seem kind of evil? Yes. Seems kind of evil. But God isn't evil. So why would he do it? When, when God sent the flood, with Noah, God wanted to wipe out everything that was corrupted. But most importantly, and this is this is the key here, this is why this happened. This is why God turned everybody's eyes to Gebeah. This is why. Because more than wiping out evil, God wanted to preserve the good. God wanted to preserve the good. Isn't that amazing? God wanted to preserve the good. He wanted to preserve Jesus. He wanted to set up Jesus' bloodline. The line, the lineage that Jesus would come from is what he was thinking about this whole time. It's like a puzzle that he's putting together piece by piece in the Old Testament. Each book is a puzzle that he's putting together all the way up to the New Testament. Jesus comes, he dies, and here we are. Amen. Amen. It's so beautiful, and I get why it's not evil. I get it. I get it. Do you get it? Amen. He wanted to preserve Jesus' lineage. That's why he sent the flood. That's why all of those men back then lived as long as they did. Did you know that? Abraham, I mean, Adam lived like 900 years old, like 900 years. And all of the guys lived like 700, 800, 750, 600, all of them. That means that the seventh generation was alive and well and like understanding when Noah was still, I mean, when um, Adam was still alive. So that means that Adam's great, 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 great grandson can go and knock on Adam's door and say, Dad, I mean, grand, 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 granddad, tell me about creation. Tell me about when God used to walk with you in the garden. Tell me about that. Tell me about how it was. What did God look like? What did God sound like? What did he smell like? Do me a favor. Sniff your arm. That's what God smells like. That's what God smells like. 
And so God wanted to preserve Jesus' lineage and maintain it pure. And that's why Gebeah. Can you guys say Gebeah? I see you, Gebeah. <laughs> That's why God put a spotlight smack right on down Gebeah. Because he wanted to reveal and to remove the hiddenness from that land. <laughs> he wanted to uncover the sin that they were covering. Let's go to John 8, verse 32. Thank you. I hope you guys are all with me still. And I hope that you guys are feeling good. And I hope that you guys understand that God is not evil, but He is good. He is good. He is detailed about everything. He is detailed about everything. So John verse, I mean John 8 verse 32 says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the truth. He is the truth that was foretold in the Old Testament. He is the truth that we find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He tells the serpent, he tells him, her, her seed will smash your head. Jesus has been promised to us since chapter 3 of the beginning. Amen. He is the truth that sets us free. Right. Truth is important to him. And my message to you is, not that God is going to bring down condemnation on us because we are free. But what I'm trying to tell you, what I want you to understand is that God doesn't want you to hide anything from him. I don't, I don't know if you guys are getting me, but that is, that is humongous to me. That is so big to me. God doesn't want you to hide anything from him. He wants to know it all. Because sometimes we don't understand the importance of bearing it all to Him. It is so important that we bear it all to Him, that we put it all before His feet and say, God, this is all of me. This is what I've been keeping inside. This is the ugly stuff that I've been holding on to because I'm used to it. Man. Sometimes we're used to ugly. Man. We get used to it. But God doesn't like ugly. <laughs> God wants it all. He doesn't want you to hide from him. What did Adam and Eve do after they ate of that fruit? What did they do? Hit. They hid from God and they covered up their shame. But you know that to God, you're not shameful and you're not shamed. Amen. And there's no part of you that needs to be covered up, spiritually speaking. <laughs> there's no part of you that needs to be covered up. He wants it all. Everything. Man, Jesus. 
I mean, look at what he did with Gibeah. Some people might read these 30 verses and say, yeah, that's God's judgment. That's God's righteous judgment on the judges. <laughs> but it's not. It's God's love. It's God's love. Smash. This is, these 30 verses are God's love. God loved these people so much that he didn't want them to hide this from him anymore. He didn't want them to continue down this past path of corruption and end up destroying themselves. Man. In the end, if you go to chapter 20, and I recommend that you do, you'll read how he preserves the, Benjam the Benjamin tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. He preserves them still. Because Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, instead of saying, yeah, Gibeah was wrong, you're right, everyone else, they were stubborn and they stuck by their, their town. They stuck by Gibeah and they said, no, we stand by this town. And they didn't want to, they didn't want to admit anything. They wanted to hold on to their corruption. And we can't have that. So out of love, God takes them away, but only to restore them. And sometimes, you might feel like God has took something from you away, but it's not to hurt you, it's to restore you, it's to help you. Amen?